welcome to the Fit for the Future podcast, which helps you navigate this fast-changing world by bringing you ideas, information, interviews, and insights for being fit for the future. Here's your host, Gihan Pereira. As a conference speaker, I find it really interesting to see how many conferences and events now have a theme somewhere around how our world is changing so fast and what we have to do to cope with it. For example, let me tell you about some of the recent conferences I've spoken at. So I spoke at the Australian Science Communicators Conference about how our world is changing because of a bad science, pseudoscience and fake news and how scientists and science communicators have to combat that. I then spoke at the Queensland Law Society's symposium and I was a closing keynote speaker of a conference where their whole theme was framing the future and I sat in on some of the earlier sessions, and they were talking about technology and demographics changing the way that the legal profession works. Uh, I spoke recently at the Asset Management Council's annual conference, and their theme was about how global issues are affecting us even at the local level. And then I spoke at a real estate group where the top 50 salespeople got together to celebrate, but also to look at how their industry is changing and how they can keep up with it. I even spoke to my peers at Professional Speakers Australia about the future of speaking and how even our profession, speaking at conferences, is changing because of technology, demographic trends, and just the changing role of events. Now, I guess as a futurist, it's probably not surprising that I get invited to speak at this kind of conference, but it's not just the conferences where I speak. I notice that many more conferences now have this theme of our fast-changing world, and the word that crops up more and more is disruption. You've probably heard people talking about disruption. Uber is disruptive, Airbnb is disruptive, Apple is disruptive, your industry is being disrupted, your business is being disrupted. If you don't watch out and take care, you'll be disrupted out of existence. Yep, disruption has become a bit of a buzzword now. It's becoming so hyped up that it's lost a lot of its meaning. And this is the problem. You hear that you're being disrupted, you know you need to do something about it, but you don't exactly know what disruption means, and then you don't know how to manage it. It's frustrating, I know, so let's change that. And I want to talk about disruption here, not just in broad, general, vague terms, but by being more specific. So if you're a leader, particularly a senior leader in an organization or a business owner, I want to give you some guidelines and some big picture strategic ideas to help you with your strategic planning in this disruptive and disrupted world. So we'll look at what's happening in the world, what it means for Australia, and what it means for you as a leader when it comes to strategic planning. So let's get started. Our world really is changing faster than ever before. In the last five to ten years, we've seen more change than we've had in the previous 50 or maybe 100 years before that. And our world is changing in three ways. It's fast, flat and free. So fast means that change is happening faster than ever before. It's because technology is moving as fast than ever. And it's flat in that we're breaking down hierarchies and control. We don't necessarily respect the old power structures anymore. And it's become freer. Prices are falling, competition is rising, and all of those three things, things fast, flat, and free, are putting pressure on all of us, and especially for us if we're business leaders. If you're a leader within an organization or you're a business owner, then you have to figure out how you can navigate this fast, flat, and free world. And let me give you an analogy here. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night and you have to go from your bedroom to the bathroom in the dark? And you're crossing the floor and there's some Lego pieces on the floor and you step on one of them, which is really painful, right? And I know it's a first world problem, but anybody who's had that experience can sympathize with somebody who says that it it is pretty painful. And for many 
business owners and leaders, that's not a bad analogy for trying to figure out how to lead an organization in this fast-changing world. Only it's worse than Lego. At least with the Lego on the floor, you've got some options. You might have known it was there because it was there when you went to sleep. You had the option of turning on the light and you could step carefully around it if you knew where it was. But what if you didn't have any light? You were walking on slippery polished floorboards and the Lego pieces kept randomly moving around the floor. Now, that's what our world is like now. And in the business world, we don't call it Lego because that would be so childish. We call it VUCA. That's volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous. In other words, our, our world has become brittle, slippery, messy and fuzzy. And I'm not going to go to all the details, but I think you get the gist of that, that our world has become much less certain. We're changing much faster. And there are things, random things that come along that could change or disrupt our business. And you hear about everything being disrupted. And you may have got sick of hearing that word. In fact, Clay Christensen, who coined that term disruptive innovation, is now complaining that it's being used for everything and not for the specific thing that he defined it as. But it really doesn't matter how you define it. The fact is that our world is changing. And these changes have a profound impact on the way that businesses operate and the way that their leadership teams plan for the future. So one of the biggest trends is the way that economic power has shifted and is continuing to shift in this fast, flat and free world. So let me briefly run you through that to give you an idea of how our world is changing and then we narrow it down to what it means for your business. So many people have heard of the rise of Asia, especially with manufacturing being outsourced to China and knowledge work being outsourced to India. But few people and few leaders understand really what that means. If you think about the world's population, a lot of it is now shifting to Asia. So China has 1.4 billion people, India has 1.3 billion people, Indonesia has 250 million people, Bangladesh has 160 million people, which means that we're really living in this Asian century. Um, but then even think about what location means. In an increasingly online world, the old idea of location and country and nation states takes on new meaning. As I said, China and India have the two largest populations, but even they have been overtaken now with Facebook, with uh, 1.8 billion active users and counting. So there's a website with more people than the biggest country on the planet. And, and after that comes LinkedIn with the 400 million users. And only after that comes another nation state, the USA, with about 320 million people. And it's not just population. See, with population comes economic power as well. And economic power has shifted from north to south and from west to east. If you think about most of the last 50 years, our world's economy has been powered by the G7 nations, the USA and Canada, the UK, France, Germany, Italy and Japan. But PricewaterhouseCoopers predicts that by 2030, which is not so far away, the economic power of the G7 will be matched by seven emerging economies, what are called the E7, so Brazil and Mexico, Turkey and Russia, India, China and Indonesia. So that's 2030, which is not so far away. But if you look ahead another 20 years to 2050, when the power of the G7 has faded, we'll also see seven other countries with that same level of economic power. They're what we call now the frontier markets or the F7. So Peru and Colombia, Nigeria and Morocco, Bangladesh, Philippines and Vietnam. So that's how our world is changing. And if you think about a country like Australia, it doesn't belong to either the E7 or F7 countries, but it's really well placed to shine and, and thrive 
in this new world because if you think objectively about anywhere in the world that you'd like to live it australia has a number of highly desirable features it's it's a democracy it has stability it has a high level of education has an enviable lifestyle so there are many opportunities in this asian century and the businesses that recognize these opportunities and act on them in our fast flat and free world will race ahead and those who don't will fall behind so what does this mean for australian businesses and for you as a leader in an organization well it's all very well and good to say that uh, there's great opportunities ahead but there are some challenges as well and the study of australian leadership identified the six biggest challenges that australian leaders face at the moment i'll tell you what they are and we're going to focus specifically on the first one but let me go through those six first so number 1 is market and competitive pressures in other words competition so that's the biggest pressure for australian businesses comes from an increasingly competitive landscape there's competition from within their industry from outside especially in a more open world with online competition and even from their own customers clients and suppliers that's number 1 competition number 2 is operational challenges so these are the sort of things that organizations have typically had to deal with things like costs efficiency innovation quality and those challenges still exist but they're more acute than ever before in this fast changing world Number 3 is always there government and regulation and there's an increased regulatory burden which adds costs things like compliance policies um managing regulatory changes so some regulations also create an uneven playing field especially when businesses are dealing with online competitors who can sometimes operate outside the laws and regulations that your business might be operating in Number 4 is people, human resources and human capital. And this is true of organizations of all sizes and across all industries. They face challenges finding, nurturing and keeping the best people, especially in these highly competitive fast-changing times. And to add to that, we have an aging population which also strains organizational culture in a couple of ways. So first of all, some older workers resist change, not all of them, but some of them do resist change, which makes it harder for organizations to be nimble and agile. but others also retire and take their decades of accumulated wisdom with them and then of course there are the communication challenges of dealing with people from different generations in the same workplace Number 5 and it does come in at number 5 is technological disruption. So not surprisingly many organizations many industries face challenges from new technology and from competitors who are leveraging technology better. And many senior leaders connect technology change to other challenges such as the workforce, market and operational issues. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. And number 6 as i mentioned before is that we've got a volatile and uncertain environment so a fast flat and free world has created a volatile and uncertain operating environment the pace of change reduced barriers to entry for competitors and global uncertainty all lead to a complex a fluid and an uncertain operating environment so those are the six biggest challenges that australian leaders have identified for their businesses and for their leadership so what do we do In the face of these challenges there are some experts who say that innovation is the answer so innovation first and innovation fast so they argue that the only path to success is to innovate yourself to the top now this can seem really attractive and I'm a big fan of innovation but it's not enough because most businesses that try to innovate fail 
they don't succeed. But the thing is that most of failures don't make the headlines. So when we only hear about the winners, somebody who's innovated by creating an app that disrupts an entire industry, then it's very easy to think that this is the only path to success. And it's not. Again, I should say that I'm a big fan of innovation, but first create a strategy that secures your defenses. So stabilize first and then accelerate. Otherwise, you run the risk of being blindsided by your competitors long before your innovation comes to fruition. And I'm not only talking about innovation here, the same applies to other workplace initiatives, positive workplace initiatives such as cultural diversity, flexible working hours, telecommuting, the other sort of perks that employees are now taking for granted and demanding rather than seeing as a privilege. These are all really good things, but they rely on a solid business first. So when you think about your strategic planning, make sure that you're combining defense and attack. In other words, stability and then change. So let's look at how to defend first against those external forces. And one of the most important mindset shifts is to focus on competition, not technology. Because the last 10 to 15 years, we've already seen a vast amount of new technology, things like self-driving cars, social media, big data, artificial intelligence, robots, virtual reality, augmented reality, predictive analytics, gene editing tools, 3D printers, drones, nanotechnology. I could go on, and some people do. Now, these technology advances are the drivers behind some of these major global megatrends that we've seen. And it's interesting to be exposed to technology and global megatrends, but it's not always immediately useful. So if you're thinking about stability first, it's better to focus first on your competitive forces. After all, a self-driving car isn't going to come along and take your job, well, unless you're a taxi driver, but a company that uses self-driving cars in its operations could well be a threat or disruptor to your business. Now, ideally, the best position is that you will be the company using this technology to take the lead and disrupt your competition. But we all know that's not always realistic or feasible given your current market position. So a better place to start is to understand the disruptive forces that other organizations could bring to bear on your industry and on your business. So what do we mean by disruptive forces? Well, what about Uber? Why is Uber the poster child for disruption? I reckon if I asked you to name a disruptive company and you had to name one very quickly, there's a pretty good chance you would name Uber. And you would be right. There's no doubt that Uber has disrupted the taxi industry, which is a long-established, entrenched industry that's completely been turned upside down by Uber. And now Uber is a poster child for digital disruption. It's deliberately taken on an established industry and sometimes it plays outside the rules. It was, and sometimes still is, illegal, but it offers such a compelling experience that governments and society are changing the rules to make it legal. So yes, Uber is disruptive, but it's not the most disruptive kind of business. Broadly, there are six kinds of disruptive forces that could turn your business upside down. Competitors, dominators, startups, upstarts, randoms, and terminators. Let me tell you what they mean. So number one, competitors. So who are you currently fighting head-to-head -head for market share? So these are the traditional disruptors, the existing competitors in your industry. And even if they're strong competitors and you're in a constant battle with them, they're pretty much a known quantity. Occasionally they'll cause a surprise, but you generally understand them well. It may not be easy to compete with them, but at least you understand them. 
Number two are the dominators. So what happens to a corner store when Coles and Woolies move in? These are the big guys in town. And what's the equivalent in your industry? So these are the dominators. These are the big businesses with the big budgets and deep pockets. When they move into a market, they don't just threaten you. They threaten all your competitors as well. So yes, they do make big waves and they can threaten your entire operation. But you should be able to see them coming and you can plan ahead for the splash from those big waves. Number three are the startups, and these are at the other end of the scale. These are the new players in your industry. They don't have your experience, resources, and existing mindshare. They certainly don't have the resources of the dominators, but they also don't have your baggage, your sunk costs. So they can operate with a lean, nimble, and agile approach. Now, Accenture did a survey of Australian leaders, and they reported that one quarter of Australian executives expect that the greatest risk of disruption is going to come from this kind of competition, from the startups. And it's more difficult to predict the startups in your industry because you don't know where they're going to spring up from. But you can prepare by acting more like a startup yourself. You're always asking yourself the question, if we were starting from scratch, is this the best way to do it? Or if we haven't already invested so much in these assets, resources, people or infrastructure, is this the way that we would go? Okay, number four are the upstarts. They're a little bit different from startups. So these are the competitors who don't play by the rules. They're competitors from generally outside your current space, but they aren't bound by the same rules and regulations as everybody else. So it's a little bit of an uneven and unfair playing ground. So these are the Ubers and the Airbnbs, as well as new global competitors and online competitors. They've got an unfair advantage because they don't operate on the same playing field as you. Globally, KPMG reports that two-thirds of CEOs are concerned by these kind of competitors, new entrants who are disrupting their business models. Number five are the randoms. Yes, it's difficult to compete against an upstart, but it's even more difficult when you're blindsided by a random, somebody from completely outside your industry who disrupts your business without even trying to compete. For example, uh, the insurance company AIA gives its members a 10% discount on all Qantas travel bookings. Now, that doesn't sound disruptive, and it's not in the insurance industry, but think about what that means for the travel industry. There are travel agents who are often operating on much smaller margins, and it can be a major blow to them to have this competitor from completely outside the industry and who isn't even trying to compete in travel, but they are disrupting that industry. And finally, possibly the biggest disruptors of all are the terminators. So these are the businesses that make some other industry obsolete. For example, when self-driving cars become ubiquitous, they will disrupt a number of industries. Personal car insurance. That'll disappear because you won't be driving your car anymore, so you're not responsible for accidents. Parking will become obsolete because self-driving cars won't need to park anywhere. They go back to central hubs after dropping people off. The accommodation industry will suffer because people can sleep in their cars instead of having to fly somewhere and sleep overnight. And, perhaps on a more morbid note, funeral directors will suffer because there'll be fewer deaths from car accidents. So... The self-driving car industry is a terminator. This is a business that makes some other industry obsolete. So, those are the six kinds of disruptive forces. Competitors, dominators, startups, upstarts, randoms and terminators. And I've just got to say, the things you don't know will hurt you. Because your business could face threats from all these six disruptive forces. Now, their impact varies from business to business, but the best leaders consider all six possible future scenarios in their strategic planning. The first three, 
competitors, dominators and startups might already factor in when you're doing strategic planning because they're more visible and they're more, if you like, traditional. But it's the other three, the upstarts, the randoms and the terminators, that could cause more damage because they're hidden and they also have greater potential impact. So we've looked at global shifts and changes and megatrends. We looked at the challenges that many leaders are facing and we've looked at these six different kinds of disruption. So that's all what's happening from outside. What does it mean for you as a leader when you're doing your strategic planning? Well, as a leader, especially if you're a senior leader, you must still create strategic plans in the face of these six leadership challenges and the six disruptive forces. But how clearly have you got your business strategy aligned with your potential future competition? Now, when it comes to strategic planning, you and your leadership team could be at one of six levels. So in terms of your strategy, the six levels are absent, stale, brittle, aware, aligned and disruptive. So let me explain them in turn, but first let me just say that the first three levels generally correlate with poor performance because everybody in the organization is operating on a short-term, limited basis. Uh, everyone is reacting to external forces and being at their mercy. When you rise above those levels, you increase your productivity and performance and take control of your future. So let's look at each of those six levels. So number one is absent. In other words, you don't have a strategy at all. And that's one extreme where you don't plan at all because you think a strategic plan is obsolete obsolete the moment you create it. But that's dangerous. It may even be negligent because you operate in complete chaos, lurching from one disaster to another. Now, of course, this is an extreme position and only very poor leadership teams operate at this level. So I think it's fair to assume that you're not at that level. So we'll ignore that and move on to the next one. Number two is stale. So at this level, leaders do what they've always done before. So they plan based on their experience, their skills, their competencies, their internal talent, their industry knowledge, and other factors that have served them well in the past. Now these are still useful, and all those factors still contribute to the process, but they're no longer enough. What used to work doesn't work anymore. These plans might look good on paper, but in practice they're out of date and unworkable in our fast, flat and free world. And the problem with stale plans is that they create a static workplace. Work happens, but it's pretty much on autopilot and there's very little regard for the changing environment. Number three is brittle. So at this level, the leadership team recognizes and acknowledges that their old methods don't work because the environment's shifting so fast, but they don't really know how to plan differently. So as a result, instead of finding new ways to plan, what they do is they create only short-term plans because they can't see any further, and a short-term plan is good because that is a little bit more certain. Now, these plans might be feasible, but they're brittle. Because they don't look ahead far enough, the slightest change in the environment makes them obsolete. As a result, the workplace and work can be erratic, sometimes productive, but far too often ineffective and inefficient and unproductive. So those three levels aren't very good. They're reactive, absent, stale, and brittle. If you're planning that way, then you're still at the mercy of the world around you. Let's look at the next three, which are much better. So the number four is aware. At this level, you and your leadership team are aware of some of the disruptive forces in your industry, some of the things we've talked about already, so you understand what could affect your business. You now know what you don't know, but you still might not know how to create a strategic plan that caters for it. But 
But at least you've got some awareness, which it means that at least the work is not completely inflexible because there's some awareness of outside forces. So managers and teams in the work can be somewhat elastic, stretching and bending when required to step outside normal operations. And you're not being reactive anymore. You're starting to become responsive because you're no longer only reacting to what's happening around you, but you can make planned and well-considered responses to those external forces. Number five is even better, and that's aligned. So awareness is obviously better than ignorance, but it's not enough. The next step is for you and your leadership team to align your business strategy with future possibilities, both in terms of opportunities and threats. And when you become aware of the disruptive forces that could affect your business, and you know how to align your business strategy with those future trends and possibilities, that's when you can really create a strong strategic plan that positions you for the future. Now, this is the ideal position, and it relies on you and the entire leadership team having clarity and confidence about the future. It doesn't mean you know everything, but you have some idea of future scenarios so you can start from a stable foundation and then accelerate. Now this requires a combination of old and new approaches. For example, Think about the traditional SWOT analysis, and part of that is to classify your strengths. And these are things like your assets and your resources. Now, that's true. These are strengths, but your biggest strengths could also be your biggest risks because they might force you to keep operating in a specific way. They might protect you from your competitors and maybe even from the dominators, but they make it much harder for you to handle startups, upstarts, randoms, and terminators because those competitors don't have those strengths, they don't have those resources, but that also means that it leaves them free to explore other possibilities as well. So that's why you have to look at new opportunities as well. But because you're aligning your strategic plan with your potential disruption, then the workplace becomes a lot more flexible and your organization adapts to change much more effectively. So that's for many businesses, that's where you should be aiming to be aligned. But there is one more level, number six, which is disruptive. And the idea here is to be the disruptor, not the disrupted. This means that you not only embrace change, but you lead it. Now, these are the iconic businesses in an industry. They stand out from the rest because they challenge the status quo. They take the lead and they ultimately change their industry. Now, they sometimes come from outside the industry. For example, Uber disrupting the taxi industry, but they can also come from within. For example, Apple, which turned around after the return of Steve Jobs. Now, as a leadership team, choosing this path does involve some risk because you're deliberately stepping beyond the safety net of your current strengths into an unknown space. But it does create a truly dynamic workplace because you're taking the organization on a quest. You don't exactly know where you're going to end up, but done right, you motivate your people, you attract and keep the best talent, and you create an organization they're proud to work for, and one that can truly make a difference. should warn you that very few organizations achieve this level, and by definition is reserved for just a few, sometimes only one, in each industry. So could you be the disruptor in your industry? Most businesses won't be disruptors, but that's okay. Most leadership teams will get the best return on investment from the aligned level. That's number five. You might aspire to reach that top disruptive level, but you first need to understand the six disruptive forces and then align your strategy with them, get to aligned, and then determine whether you're going to be the disruptor and then create a plan to get there. Now, I know you're not stupid. You didn't reach your position as a leader by winning a prize from the back of a cereal box. You know the business environment has changed and you know that you can create a strong, feasible strategic plan if you know how to deal with these changes. And when you get this right, 
you'll be significantly more productive because you and your team understand the risks and opportunities in the future and then that filters through to everybody in the organization because everything you do is aligned with their strategic plan which is easy to share with the rest of the organization. You may have heard that old story about the two hunters who are running away from an angry bear. So they're running as fast as they can. The bear is still some distance away, but it's gaining ground on them. And suddenly, one hunter stops. He pulls off his backpack and starts unlacing his hiking boots and puts on his sand shoes. And his partner stops and yells at him, What are you doing? You can't outrun a bear. And the first hunter looks up at him and says, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. Now, I reckon the same applies in a fast, flat and free world. As much as you might be worried or despairing about the volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous environment that you have to steer your organization through, you can take heart from the fact that hardly anybody is getting it right. There are huge opportunities for those who are prepared. It doesn't take much to stand out. So increase your awareness, align your strategy with the future and you already have a significant advantage over everybody else. So take action and start now. Welcome to the future. So I hope you find that useful. I especially hope that it's given you better insight into what disruptive forces could be affecting your industry and your business and specifically what you can do about it. Because as I said at the start, the word disruption gets thrown around a lot. But hardly anyone talks about what it really means and breaks it down into these six disruptive kinds of forces and you almost never get any advice about what to do. So how do you align your strategic planning with these future trends? So I hope I've given you a bit more insight into being able to take that back into your workplace and to talk to your leadership team when you're creating your strategic plan. I think this is really important and if you'd like to get a written version of this, I've written a white paper about this. It's called Future Proof. And you can download it free at my website, futureproofstrategy.com.au. So just go there and you can download the, the white paper free and use that with your leadership team to determine how you're going to create your strategic plan to be aligned with these future trends and these six kinds of disruptive forces. And I also offer a future-proof strategy session, which is a three to four hour facilitator session for you and your leadership team. So the way it works is that I conduct some research into the main disruptive forces that are affecting your industry and your business in particular, and I present that to the group. And then I facilitate a strategic planning discussion around these disruptive forces. And then we discuss how you can navigate them in the short and medium term. And my goal for you from this process is that for you and your leadership team to, first of all, understand the most important future trends, then to identify key strategic initiatives that you can put into place and be in a position to develop a strategy for each member of your leadership team in their areas of responsibility. So this strategy session is particularly valuable if you're part of a leadership team that's working in a business or industry that's that's facing massive change in the next three to five years. And of course, that's a, that's a lot of businesses, a lot of industries. Or if you're currently planning or working through a major strategic change process in your business. Or you're a business owner who wants to give your leaders and managers Managers, a little bit of an insight into future trends and opportunities. As I said, this is a three to four hour session, in other words, a half day session. Because I'm also a conference keynote speaker, one of the best ways for you to do this is to engage me to deliver a keynote and then to run the facilitator session. So for example, I could deliver my Fit for the Future 
presentation as the opening keynote for the conference and then facilitate the strategic planning session as a separate off-program session exclusively for the leadership team. And this has a number of benefits, of course. Uh, your leadership team is already at the conference, so you save the time and effort of bringing them together at another time. And the typical conference program, particularly the middle sessions of a day, isn't always relevant for senior leaders and managers, so we can use the time more effectively looking at your strategic plan. You also get better leverage from my time at the conference because you've already got me there, so you get more value from me being there in person, and I can tailor my keynote presentation to address the future-proofing strategies for your business and industry so your people are also aligned with the leadership strategy and thinking. Now, you don't have to do it that way with a keynote and strategy session together. Now, even if you don't need me on your conference program this year, I can still be there and facilitate the future proof strategy session as a separate off-program session for your leadership team. You still get the benefits of the strategic planning and of course again you have the leadership team there at the same time at conference and even if you don't want to do this at a conference I can still facilitate the future proof strategy session independently for your leadership team. So if you'd like to find out more about that go to that same website futureproofstrategy.com.au If you have any questions please ask me I'd love to help you out. Again the website is futureproofstrategy.com.au I hope you enjoyed the podcast and found something valuable for your personal and professional life. And if you did get some value from it, I would love it if you could do me a favor and give me a review and a rating in the iTunes store in the podcast area. And that helps to promote it to other people as well. And if you want me to share ideas like this live at your next conference, then check out my speaking topics and workshop topics at gihanspeaks.com. And if you want to engage with me in other ways, go to gihanparera.com where you can find my blog, my newsletter, my podcast, videos, and my free webinars series. They're all free and they're all designed to help you leverage the potential of your organization, your team, and of course yourself, that you can become fit for the future. This is Gihan Pereira. Bye for now. For show notes, past episodes, and more, visit gihanperera.com. And remember, great minds don't think alike.